Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia. Welcome. We have a great guest today, and also Fran Lewis will be uh, joining us. We have David Putnam, and uh, he's going to talk all about writing, which is great. And uh, just a few words that if you listen to Dick Belsky on Tuesday, the first five minutes we had some issues, and I'm getting it taken care of. Actually, I've been taking care of it. It took me three hours yesterday, but I think I got this. But I'm hoping today's show will be fine because, as all of you know, we've had some issues with Black Talk. But I'm going to let David say a little bit about himself, and then he's really going to be a great guest today for all of you listening is because we're going to talk about how to write a novel and really understand what you're doing, not just putting it on the paper. Welcome, David. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you very much. Uh, I love being on these kind of things. Uh, I love talking about reading and writing, um, both. I've always been an Me avid too. reader from um, early, from a very early age. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I was a cop for 31 years. I, I worked um, Los Angeles County Sheriff's, San Bernardino County Sheriff's. did two tours on SWAT. Um, worked about violent crimes, narcotics, criminal intelligence. I retired in Southern California with 28 years, and then I went to work for Hawaii 5.0 for three years. We moved back to we moved to Hawaii and lived there for three years, and uh, wow. the weather kind of sent me back to Southern California. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, what started me writing was, uh, like I said, I was an avid reader, and I kept uh, books in the back seat of my undercover car because I was always on surveillance, and when you're surveillance, there's nothing to do, so I'd read my books. And I was down to my last novel, and um, it was the second book in an author that I loved his first book. It was an international bestseller, and I picked it up and started reading it. But at the time, I didn't know because I wasn't immersed in the, in the reading or the, or the, or the writing world. Um, and I started reading this book, and it was just absolutely horrible. And I was a captive audience, so I read the whole thing. And when I got done, I thought I, 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 thought I could do better. So... <laughs> Um, I pinned my first four novels on the front seat of my undercover car on legal pads. Wow. Each novel was, <laughs> was four legal pads long. Um, so what I, what I found out later is that an author will write, a, take 10, 15 years to write a novel, and then when they sell the first one, um, they have one year to write the next one. And, and so unless you make your bones and understand the craft, that one year is too short. And a lot of Authors die on their sophomore effort of of, of their books. Um, so you'll see one great book, and then you'll see that the, the, the quality of the book just kind of peter off because they didn't learn the craft. So um, I I started going to writers' conferences and um, going to Voucher uh, Con, Left Coast Crime, uh, trying to trying to learn from uh, all these other authors on how to write a novel, um, and I. I had I've had five agents now, and agents are very hard to find. Um, yes. And my first my first rejection to an agent, I sent the manuscript in back, back when you still sent manuscript. Back when you. Awesome. Fran, are you on? Fran, are you on? Yeah, I just got here. I'm here. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah, here. I just want I hear, I, I heard you talking because you're on. I, you know? No, yeah, well, so okay. I'm, on, I'm on. Okay, all right, go ahead. I'll, okay. You can talk. <laughs> Let's finish. Go ahead. So my, my first rejection 
was uh, the manuscript that I'd sent in came back uh, in, in hand written, uh, written in red on the top corner and said, "No thanks. Uh, before you sum- before you resubmit, learn how to write." You know, it was bad. Oh. It was you know, it was a crushing, mm-hmm. it was a crushing Not rejection. A <clears throat> so I kind of took it also that uh, that I was always going to let them beat me. Uh, so I, my first writing yeah. class, the 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 instructor. Uh, First thing he did was write on the on the, on the whiteboard. What, this is the one word. This is the one word that you need to do uh, when you're writing. And he wrote perseverance. You have to have perseverance mm-hmm. in order to be an author. Right. So yep. I kind of took that to heart, and um, I wrote. I was on my 38th manuscript before I sold my first book. But wow. because of that, I had learned my craft. So as soon as the uh, the publisher picked up my first book, I stopped writing that 38th book and then started writing a sequel to the one that they picked up, and that was the Bruno Johnson series. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, a good idea. That was smart. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a smart so, idea. So, yeah. So, so, um, <clears throat> and so through the years, because of, I've had, I have these uh, learning disabilities, I have, I had to work, I had to build workarounds for me. Um, and I've developed this um, writing structure that I use, and I use it every day when I write. Um, and I call it writing by the numbers. So I assign a number to different uh, aspects of writing. Um, and I learned this. I learned these different things from different uh, how-to books and from a, a writing mentor who was a uh, creative writing professor for San Jose State. And I take a little bit. Uh, from here and there, and I mold it into what I uh, perceive or or what's filtered through my understanding. Um, so um, when I start writing a book, well, generally uh, there's only one rule in writing, and that is don't confuse the reader. You can you can write anything you want as long as you don't confuse the reader. But once having said that, you want to target the largest largest audience. And I've gone to a lot of writing conferences where they say, don't um, write to uh, an audience because you, it, it'll change. But that's but, and what I'm talking about is um, readers, because I've talked to, uh, you know, uh, fan-based conferences. I always talk to readers. Um, at Barnes & Nobles, I talk to them. I ask them how they select books. Um, and I, this is where I get, get this information. So but I want to I want to let you see. talk about all these subjects, and I just want to say, Fran, okay, just say hello to everybody and tell them what you do because this you're an important part because I saw uh, David was on your show, and just say a little bit about you, and then I want to talk about all these things because I know you do too. I know you want to hear this too, Fran, because this is good. Well, yeah, I do because um, somebody that uses graphic organizers and does it the way David does, I want to I right. want a copy of that so I can figure figure out how to do that too because that's how I used to write my term papers like that with graphic organizers. I'm Fran Lewis and I am a reviewer for Josh Reviews and all the publishing companies and I have my own uh, show which I just finished on MJ Network and right. I'm writing my next book I think. Um, Basic, basically, that's that's me, and I love doing reviews for authors, and I love interviewing them. And David's been on quite a bit, and he's really interesting. So I want to learn more about what it is you do in your right. Process. That's why I thought right, right, because I think this process and you know how to write a novel is we have a lot of authors, yeah. that, authors that you talk to and I talk to, but not they don't really get down to the you know the brass of what we really need to do to write a novel and not give up though, because he wrote thirty eight books. 
And so this is anybody listening out there that's right one or that's written one or two books and gives up, do not give up. He's right, persistence is the number one thing. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, Am I still doing this? Keep going because you do learn. That's the thing. I've done the shows for fourteen years and I learn from my guests. So David, it's all yours now. Fran and I want to hear this. Okay, great. Um so these sixteen precepts are so say, for instance, if you say, well, um, Dave, I don't like these two precepts, um, don't use them. Um, but it, in my opinion, it narrows your chances of, uh, or narrows down your audience. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll just go right into it because it, it, takes, it takes about yeah. a, a, quite a while to get okay, through Okay, fine. You know, um, it's just, you, we're here. We're listening. So your number one goal when you're writing a novel is the fictive dream. You want to put the reader in a fictive dream where they drop into the book and time just kind of slides by them without them being aware of it. Um, so in order to get that fictive dream, the number one thing in writing is voice. It's the big kahuna. It's the everything of writing. Yeah. And, and some people don't, um, don't, don't pay attention enough to that. And there's so, and I think the voice is the most difficult part to, to, to get right. It's, and it has the most, um, influence on the creative part of your writing. So when you're writing, um, readers read for emotions. You want to you give them any kind of emotion. You want them to dislike somebody. You want them to love somebody. You want to work every emotional angle you can because that's what holds the reader in. And conflict is emotion. So you need conflict on every page. Um <clears throat> So, and the big thing that was grounded in my head by, by my, my the professor of creative writing is that story is not story. Character is story. So when I write a scene, I don't think about how best to facilitate the story. I think about how best to display my character. And that's crucial because that, that goes in with the voice as well. Um, <clears throat> so the... There's the overall structure of, of writing a novel for me is the four C's. This is the first number, four. Um, it's conflict, complication, crisis, conclusion. And what I was doing in all my other books that I was getting rejections on, and I got, you know, out of the, I had one agent for 15 years, and um, he, he sent every one of my books into the big five publishers, and I made it to acquisitions twice where acquisitions means that the editor loved the book and they took it into the committee meeting and they, they were vying for a slot, one of the slots for, for my book, and they didn't make it. So I made it to acquisitions twice. So I went from... Which is hard. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to say one thing. It's not easy to get there. Right, I mean, it's not is, easy to get there. It's something very difficult to get. When you just repeat something, it's conflict. What was the second one? I'm, writing, I'm taking notes on this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into that. Um, and okay. I, I can send you the notes too. I email you notes, but oh, I'm talking good. about contracts right now. Yeah, that's a great idea because this is really important because I think people lose, they lose the, they don't know what to do to get to the the heart of the novel, and they there's a beginning, middle, and end. So this is all important yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I lost my train of thought. Um, Oh, so so I, I, my first my first rejection was that red ink in the top corner. Learn how to write, and then by the time I was making it to the acquisitions um, table, 
I was getting two page, two full page um, rejection letters saying how much they loved the book, but they couldn't get me in the slot. So what I, what I was learning during all this process was that my I I had a misperception about the conflict. My conflict was too long. So for example, your conflict is your contract with the reader. You're, you're telling the reader, this is what I'm going to show you in the book. So the more economically you set up your conflict, the better chance you have. This is Dave's number, the first number in, in, the, in the 16 precepts, short conflict, short economic conflict. For example, um, the Bruno Johnson series. Bruno is uh, an ex-con, ex-cop who rescues children from toxic homes. He, can't, he couldn't do it when he's a cop, so now he goes outside the law to rescue the children. He's down in Costa Rica. He's wanted the United States for kidnap and murder and robbery, um, and he has a makeshift orphanage. So the book's always open in Costa Rica, and I have to get him to the United States to do his caper, to, to rescue somebody. So the conflict is actually another word for it is motivation. Um, I have to motivate him to break away from his family and come up to the United States. So uh, the quicker I do that, the better the, 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 better the um, book is because I'm setting uh, – I'm giving the reader uh, my contract. This is what I'm going to show you. So as soon as Bruno Johnson steps on the plane, that's the end of my conflict, and I start the complication. The complication is um, when you – um, the conflict is set, and you start throwing all these roadblocks up against the character. To me, the most difficult part of the book is the center of the comp- complication. But uh, I'll get I'll get I'll get to that. Okay. The next the next one. So it's conflict, complication, then crisis. The crisis needs to be uh, shorter than the complication, and then the conclusion is very short. So there's four C's of writing: conflict, complication, crisis, conclusion. Um, so, uh, when I start a when I start a novel, I don't know what's going to happen at the end. If I knew what was going to happen at the end, I wouldn't want to write it because um, <laughs> I like the adventure of go <laughs> right. of finding out right. what's going to happen. Yeah. So the way I do that is I establish three plot lines. I think about the book, and I think about I have a main plot line. Um, for example, the, the one uh, the Bruno is um, coming back to to escort a girl, uh, a young girl from college, back to Costa Rica because she's under threat from some people in, in the United States. That's the main trump. That's my main plot line. But I have a secondary plot line where his mother um, is going to go back with him, and he, he has a contentious relationship with his mother. So uh-huh. I establish both those uh, first two plot lines in the conflict. I set it up in a conflict, um, and then... When he gets to the United States, I establish a third plot line. And I'm always thinking about this. So I will write. And another thing was I started writing. Um, I shifted from a mystery structure to a thriller structure. Now, a thriller structure is, is one, scene, one, one scene per chapter. So uh, you would have like 75 to 100 um, chapters. The mystery structure or the fiction structure is multiple scenes in each chapter, and they're odd numbers. You want an odd number of scenes in each chapter, three, five, or seven scenes, and you'll have 25 to, say, 37 chapters in that kind of structure of a book. So once I shifted to a thriller structure, that's when I started selling books because the readers nowadays, they want immediate gratification. 
They don't right. want to wait. Yeah. That's why. That's why when I, I shorten my conflict, that's another reason why I started selling books. So. Um, you shorten uh, the conflict. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So it's not so hard so what, to go along with the book. Yeah, so, it goes faster. Yeah. Yeah. It reads. It reads faster. The people want to okay. be dropped into the book quicker. So. When I start a story, um, the first thing you want to do is endear the reader to the character. I mean, endear the character to the reader. Um, and and uh, I, when I, I have a reading critique group, and I, this is one of the things I don't see. Uh, I, I, I see the biggest error is you want to endear the reader uh, to the character. And I, I do that every scene. I, I'm thinking about it every scene because if you start be, become enamored with your story, you, your character starts to – fade out. He, he's less three-dimensional. So you want to have, have a, what I call pat the head of the dog. The reader, okay. uh, I mean, the, the character some, somewhere in that scene walks by and pats the head of the dog. Now that's figuratively. I'm speaking okay. figuratively. Right. But right. you want, uh, so sometimes I do it very subtly and sometimes I do it with a sledgehammer. It depends on what's called for, <laughs> um, for, okay. for the motivation. Um, okay. So the the difference between now this is important and uh, I can't emphasize okay. this enough. Uh, character is story. Story is not character. An example that I that I use uh, is um, uh, if you have an intricate um, constructed maze. Uh, so the maze is interesting, which so, is like the story. The story is the maze, and but the but just looking at the maze isn't interesting enough until you introduce a mouse and you watch the mouse run the maze. Right, so okay. that's that's the, that's that's my my description of how how right, right, right. how important. Yeah. I get it. Fran, yeah. uh, are you the, the it's good? Right. The I'm here. Yeah. Okay. I'm listening. Yeah. Okay. So there. Once you once you into the story and you have your three plot lines or two plot lines, what happens if you some people they they get this story idea and they they, they get focused on a single plot line. What will happen is that you get plot line fatigue because there's no yeah, breather right. for the reader. You're just staying on the same storyline. So I start the I start the um, book with the with the main trunk storyline in Bruno's mm-hmm. in Costa Rica. And then I do three scenes in sequence, um, or sometimes it might be five scenes just in the conflict. And then I'll jump over and I'll, and I'll, and I'll service the other um, uh, plot line. Um, and so that has to do with uh, transitions. <laughs> I transition over, and then I'll do two or three scenes in that plot line, all the time servicing the main trunk plot line. Then I'll then I'll I'll transition over. Do a couple more scenes on the main trunk plot line, then go to the other plot line. So, um, there's once you start the, the 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 book, there are five things that a scene has to have in order for it to work. Um, and this is another one of the so the first four is, is the the four C's, and now the five things the scene needs to work. And the first one is always display character. Now, the, um, I don't know if I already said this, but it's important, is that you don't write the scene to, to facilitate the story. You write the scene to display the character, the best way to display the character, while your story is the vehicle for your character to um, connect with the reader. Um, so the first one is display character. The next one is forward the story, because the story is secondary to the character. Um, 
Next one is foreshadow an upcoming event. Now, um, you have to put in things that pull the reader to the next um, scene. And and what you do is you layer in a bunch of foreshadowing of conflict that you're going to come back and pick up um, later on as you you go along. Um, The next one uh, of the five things is um, transition. You need to set up a transition to the next sequence of scenes. Um, and that's easy to do. It sounds might, might sound difficult, but that's you do that. Some people do that just naturally. But the fifth thing, and it's kind of the most important thing, and it's a lot of many times on the, on the books that I see coming through our reader group, is the emotion of the scene. You, you, people are again so enamored with the story they forgot about the emotion. You want to have okay. emotion in every scene, and the conflict is emotion. So you throw conflict against the character, you're going to have emotion. Um, so now I'm, I'm going to back up again to overall structure and its voice. Now I could talk to, uh, probably two or three hours just on voice because voice is the big kahuna. It's the everything. Right? It is. It's very so, important. Right. Right. So if if I'm talking to somebody in Barnes Noble and they said, oh, I just read this great book and they gave me the title, and I said, well, what's it about? And they say, Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, because the boys carried the entire book. That, and, that, and they loved the book so much um, that they really couldn't tell you. Like a man called Ove is just a, a sterling example of great, great voice. And, you know, I, I remember the voice more than I remember the story, and that's, that is great writing. So the three parts of voice um, are uh, language, language and syntax, which means you might have a character that has uh, a colloquialisms in a speech. You might have uh, different contractions. You know, language and syntax is, is part of um, voice, or can be. Next one, and it's, it's the most difficult one to get, is point of view. Mm-hmm. Point of view yeah. plays yes. a very important, very important role. Um, and there's two different levels of third person, and people don't realize. Actually, there's three levels of third person in my opinion. Um, there's third distant and there's third close. Now, this, this is what took me a while to understand, was when I say third distant, it's when I shift to summary of the story. So I come out of the character. So, so when I'm writing third person, I establish the setting first. I go into the character. So um, uh, Henry Jones uh, sat in a chair, and then... I leave the name Henry Jones out, and I shift to the pronoun. That means I'm shifting into a deeper point of view. And then if you want to go the deepest point of view, the closest third person is you get rid of the pronoun. And that puts you deep into third person close. And that's what helps you um, establish the fictive dream is because you are – uh, you're seeing this story uh, so pure through the character's eyes when, when you do it that way. So if you you get rid of the pronoun, and then you also you get rid of things like he thought or he mused um, because you're telling the reader. You don't want to qualify what you're gonna what you're gonna say because that's a half a step back in point of view. And a lot of people do that when all uh, he thought about walking through the door and. Walking, well, walking across the bar and slapping right. that guy in the face. And, 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 and instead he said, you should say, 
that guy needs a good slap in the face. You see that as a as a, as a, yeah. as a, a lot closer point of view. So cut out your qualifiers uh, uh, on your statements. Just go in and just establish your scene, and then go into point of view and stay in that point of view. And you and that will be much easier to hold the fictive dream. The next part is the next one because there's three parts to be in voice, language, syntax, point of view. The third one is attitude. Now, my, my instructor tried to drill this into me. I didn't understand it for years until I really started uh, dissecting point of view. Um, the attitude is the most artistic part of your voice. So, for example, uh, when you're writing, it's your, um, your character's point of view. He says, um, the man had Johnny Carson hair and, uh, and a face like oatmeal. See, that is the attitude of the character coming out. And you can't use it, well, you can't overuse it because it turns into a caricature, but that's what I'm talking about. You want to establish the readers being unique and show the voice, and you do that through the attitude of the um, point of the voice. Let me stop you so, for a second. Fran, do you have any questions about, well, so we, about any of these things? Well, I've been listening, and David knows I've read everything he writes. Right, but so, you know, but I know. Do you have okay? Because what you're, you when you're not writing dialogue, like like in Fran, she doesn't write the dialogue. So what what is she writing in then? Is that a what voice is that? That's it's the voice of the dead person that's expressing what happened to them. And yet, when David's writing, I could tell when Bruno has emotion. I could tell when his wife wants to smack him in the head for not listening. <laughs> and I can tell that I don't put the book down. Um, I think the hardest part, David, is how you create the transition, especially um, the middle of the book. How do you create it where people were reading the middle of the book, you know that there's a whole bunch of plot lines which I follow, and then how do you get that middle of the book so people don't put it put it down? Because I find that after reading about 10,000 mysteries, in the middle of the book I haven't figured out. I know who did it, and I don't care, and I go to the last page of the book. So you don't do that. How do you keep the interest of the reader in the middle of the book okay. and that transition so that when they read the ending, they go like, you got to be kidding, that's what happened? All right, so that's a very good question. And what I've found is when I'm writing along and I'm, I'm writing my three plot lines and I will have an idea as, I, as the book starts tumbling, it tumbles on itself. The mm. book is heading toward a, a location, right? Because that's what's happening within the five things. If I put the five things in a scene, the book kind of writes itself. Because if I, if I go further on in, in the book and I get stuck, I realize that I didn't do something I, I glossed over one of those five things, and I go back and fix mm. it, and the book continues on. But what I have found is that if I know what's going to happen in the book, then the reader's going to know. So I will motivate something, and something's going to happen, and something's going to happen, and then I realize, oh, I know what's going to happen. The reader's going to, and I just take a hard left. I just shift, yeah. and I don't go where I was going to go. And, and that keeps everything fresh for me, and it keeps everything fresh for the reader. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. I have an idea yeah. where it's going to go, and then all of a sudden, nope, I'm, I'm going to do a change-up. And instead of going and blowing up this house, he's going to go you know, walk into the police station. Mm. Something that just knocks the reader off balance. Oh, yeah. that now. That, and that's what keeps them 
And that's what I do in the center of the book. Um, and it keeps it fresh for me, and I really like writing because of that. And I think uh, um, that's the problem with some of the – I call it the wallow of the book. You hit the wallow of the, of the complication, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> sometimes you get mired down, but uh, but I don't. So what I do – Because in, it is the middle. The middle is the – the toughest part, and and also, you know, when people are writing a book, or also in a movie, if you're, a lot of times it's really high, and then all of a sudden that middle is everybody sleeping, and at the end it goes high again, and then they forget about they need a mi- middle, and then everybody at the end they make it such a dramatic and a lot of times fun. They're dancing, singing, whatever they're doing, and people walk out of the show thinking, oh, what a great movie, but they fell asleep in half of it. <laughs> That's very true. And that is what so, happens. That is what happens. Yeah. But the middle is the important part, to hold them. Yeah. you, you got to hold them in. And that's how I found the best way for me to do it is I don't go with what I had planned to do. And I don't plan anything, yep. but, it, it, but <clears throat> as I go, if the plan starts to develop, and then once I see myself, I said, oh, this is boring because I know what's going to happen. Then I just take a hard left. <clears throat> and I think right. that's, that's, a good, that's good advice for Getting out of I think wallet. it's great advice. Right, exactly. If you if a person feels that they're bored, then their their reader is bored too. If you're bored right. writing it, then they're bored reading it. So, um, okay. when I start writing every morning, I get up and I go back, do twenty pages. I go back twenty pages and I read forward, because what happens is. Um, you, as a writer, have different emotions too. You could be slightly sad, slightly elated, slightly depressed. You know that'll translate into your work. So I go back 20 pages and get the cadence, the tone, and I read forward, editing, 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 and then when I hit the new stuff, I'm back on track, and I so my tone and my cadence is all the same. That's um, what I do. I do that too, and I thought I was only me doing that because I go back. And then I fill in what I missed a lot of times. Right. So Because that's how I do it, too. And I thought, well, maybe this is wrong. Because I, I do go back to like 10 pages or so, so I get in the right voice. Because if I don't get in the right voice, I'm changing my tone also. Because I, I, I was a certain right. way when I wrote it. And if I don't get back to that place, the next time I write, it's going to be somewhere else. So that's great well, you, you, advice. You're Highs and lows in your writing. Your writing's going to be uh, like on a roller coaster, and you don't want that. Right. You want an even, no. uh, fixed right. dream. The great so, way to um, describe it. I write, in, I write in Microsoft Word, and I'll start writing my scenes, and each time I introduce a character, I drop down and I have a character heading, and I put that character in, in underneath that heading. And I keep a list of my running, a running list of my characters. Now, I was told, and, and I didn't really go by this until later on, um, you know, probably book book number thirty-five or whatever. Um, you don't use the character one time. So if I put that character's name down under that right. heading, yeah. uh, and I need another character in the, the, the book to do something, a new different character, I pull that character back up and I use that character which forces yeah. me, and it sounds like it's difficult, yeah. but it forces me to, to interlock the book with the rest of the book. So instead of having yeah. the book strung out, now it's forcing me to interlock um, the book with, with the same characters. I also do a list of locations. So I have a list of names that I'm using, a list of locations, so I can immediately go back and refresh my memory. But then um, as soon as I write a chapter, I will write um, above the name heading, 
down at the bottom of the manuscript. I will write um, chapter one. Bruno um, is asked to go back to the United States to escort. I put uh, a word count and page count. And so I do that every chapter so I can, I can see at a glance. I can see my whole novel at a glance. So if, uh, the first thing I do in the morning is I, uh, I, I go over my chapter. I call it a chapter diagram, uh, a novel diagram. I go over the chapters real quick to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. I look at the characters. I look at the locations. Then I go to the notes. So I'm writing in my manuscript. I'm writing a scene, and then something will, will – Say, oh, I, 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 when I foreshadow something, I, I don't. My mind is getting kind of old, so I drop down and I write the, the note for foreshadowing. Something I need to come back and pick up later. I just drop down and put it down there, and it it follows along as I keep writing the novel. I have that note that I have to come back to sometime in the book. So I have uh, probably two paragraphs of notes below my manuscript. I have notes, and I have uh, a novel diagram and I have names, and I have locations. And that just, it's a living document. It keeps moving down as I write the novel. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a framework that I'm establishing that wasn't there before. So I don't do an outline. I let the book outline itself doing it this way. Um, and I do all my books that way now. And it's come to the point where I told my publisher about this uh, probably six books ago. I said, well, this is the way I'm doing this. And she goes, well, send me your, your novel diagram. And now she wants it every time because when she's editing the book, she could see the whole book at a glance. You see what That's I'm saying? That's great. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And, and, it's and wonderful. Then, and, then yeah. When you, and then when it comes time to write the synopsis, that, that, di- that novel diagram is just invaluable because you can see the whole thing. You just take snapshots. Um, and that's a whole other animal writing a, writing a synopsis. Okay, well, okay. But, this um, is the thing. Well, okay. I want you to talk a little bit about synopsis because this is the hardest part for almost every writer I know. Synopsis, and then you've got to make a description on Amazon, and it has to sell. That's the only way you sell things, and it's so hard right. for people to do. It's called your, the, 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 publicity, the, publi- the publicity copy called, is, is difficult. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, it's an art. So I, I, like you said, it is, it is difficult for me because – I, I want to tell everything in this great novel that uh, in, in in one page. Right. So they want you know a good, a good synopsis is only in one page. So I know. Um, I, I kind of tripped into it, um, learning how to do it um, from what what the publisher sent me. Every time a book comes out, they send me this eleven page questionnaire on on my book, on marketing, on, on you know wow. uh, who's my audience, you know, all mm-hmm. these questions. And and one of them or, or three of the questions is. Give me 150 words on a description of your book. Then give me 75 words on a description of your book. Then give me 50 words on a description of your book. So I started learning a, a synopsis by, by doing that. So I would write two pages on my book, right? And then I'd go through mm-hmm. and i cut it down to 150 words, and it's easier that way. And then I have that yep. 150 words condensed, and then I cut it down to 75 words, which is, and it's like, uh, oh, this is how you write a synopsis. It's so much easier now for, for me to write yeah. a synopsis by doing it that way. So I write 200, you write two pages, cut it down to 150, then cut it down to 75, wow. then cut it down to 50. And so it, in other it really, words, it really let's works say you would be me. writing, like let's say, okay, I'm going to do a synopsis. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to 
just write what I think the book is about. And then I'm going to cut, and then I'm going to cut, and I'm going to cut. And then that should be my description and synopsis, right? Is that what you do? Well, well what, what, what happens, what ultimately happens in, in my synopsis, synopses, I don't know how you say it, is I, I eventually uh, derive the um, plot lines. So when I write, when I write the, 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 first, the first two pages, I write probably two paragraphs or three paragraphs on each plot line. So I'll have three plot lines described. And in, in the synopsis, you can't hide anything. You have to have the reveal at the, at the end. Um, that's what the synopsis is for, so the, the editor and the agent can see where the book is, goes, where it starts and where And that it ends. is where people so, go wrong because they don't want to let, they, they want to hold it in, and they don't want to give up their story, but you have to in order for the publisher or someone to understand why they want right. to be working with you. And, and if you don't do book. the reveal, if you don't do the twist or the reveal, um, if they, they look at you as being unprofessional. So you have to put yep. that reveal in there. Um, yep. So uh, I, I do the. So then I do the plot lines. I'll do three paragraphs on a plot line, and then when I go back to reduce the length of my synopsis, I will reduce something in each of those three plot lines. That's all I'm saying. So I won't reduce overall. Yep. I'll take something out of each one um, and condense it down. Um, you could because. Now, Fran, I want to ask Fran a question. Fran, so yeah. when, when, when you you've mentioned this many times on your show, okay, that when people are reviewing, a lot of people mm-hmm. take the back cover and write their review from that. What's the danger in that? Well, they've, they've done it. I well, I looked up some of the books I just got. And the danger is that, number one, they're plagiarizing the back cover. Number two, they never read the book. And number three, some of them are writing a review based on the back cover. And a lot of them have no idea what they're talking about. And that hurts the author. And I've read a couple of them yesterday. I'm going like, wait a minute, that's the synopsis. That's not a review. Um, Some of them write, um, I read that they read the synopsis and they'll say, I don't like the book. I'm not going to read it. Somebody did that to me with with um, my last book, not this one, the one before that, and said, oh, I read the back cover. I'm not going to read this. It's not worth anything. I didn't bother to answer. It, right, there is a right. danger in that because what they're doing is just saying, they're just getting their name on the on Amazon or wherever that they reviewed right. the book. But they have no idea what it's about, seriously. I, I, have, a, right. I, I have a big presence on, on uh, Goodreads. And I started reviewing books, and it's it's a it's a dangerous for me to do because I'm a I'm a I'm an author too. But I, I have books I review get 500 likes because I don't mm. review it with any kind kind of reveal, any kind of synopsis. I reveal it by breaking down the structure of the book. This is why mm. I like the book, and I talk about the the conflict. I talk about the complication. I, I talk about everything I'm talking about now, and I describe the book, and I break it down, an analysis of the structure. And I get these wild pe- people saying, I, I love your reviews. And so now I have publishers uh, emailing me, asking me to review books, and, and authors, too, contact me, asking me to review the book because I noticed I'm getting you were so many, like so, how uh, uh, I want to um, ask you what you do on Goodreads is a very interesting thing. Then, because I I saw you on Goodreads, I I do not 
Goodreads is so difficult for people to understand that a lot of people don't even want to be on there. And but so you're on there just reading other people's books and naturally then they're finding out about you obviously but because it does get difficult on goodreads because people go oh i'm i go on it and i'm done fran you know this we talk about this because you know you you have a purpose though what you're doing and then people are noticing that but uh, when people are writing on good they go on goodreads they go i'm going to read this and i'm going to read that and i'm going to read this and they never do but you're actually reading right. them right and, and sometimes I'll put that I'm reading a book, and I pick it up and start reading it, and it is so <laughs> difficult for me to read because um, mm-hmm. of all the different uh, pitfalls they're falling into. It's like nails on a, on a chalkboard, and that's just me because yeah. I'm an author. I just don't right. finish. I don't finish it. I don't put a review up. Uh, I don't. I don't do any of that. Um, right. <clears throat> but right. when I do review a book, um, I, I do the analysis on it. And I don't. Yeah. I want to keep Goodreads pure because I love the the format, the structure, the, the what it does for the reading community. So I don't put myself out there. If you look, I don't advertise myself at all on Goodreads. Um, what I, what I do, the only thing I do is at the bottom of my uh, analysis of a, of a review, I'll put uh, David Putnam, author of the Bruno Johnson series, and that is the only. That, see, that's what I'm saying. You have a different way approach to know that. I'm, Hmm. Yeah, that I'm an that's author. interesting. Because yeah. I don't want people yeah. to think that, oh, he's just out there promoting his book because I, I'm not. I'm on there because I love reading. I read anything and everything. I read all genres. If it's well-written, I read it. So I have favorite yeah. books in fantasy. I have favorite books in horror. I have favorite books in uh, women's literature. I, I just got into women's literature. Which is why you are well-rounded. Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing about an author, too. A lot of times authors are not well-rounded. You know, uh I, I'm not great at reading books, but I listen to the audio books, and that's how I listen, you know, and that's just me. But I do right. think it's important to read or, or to do something like that. I watch a lot of movies because I actually I like screenwriting, so that's why I do that. But everybody should not, because sometimes you need a break from your own working. And to just see, and when I'm listening, let's say, to an audio book, I'm learning because I'm listening to how they write. And I'm going like, hmm, this is not a bad idea. You know, because I think if people think they know everything, that's not true. Nobody knows everything. So you, you can always no. learn. And even if you're successful, you still have to, there still can't, your brain can still take in more. And you should, because you don't want to be stale right. in your writing. If you only know what you write and don't even, you know, like a lot of times as an agent, I would ask, you know, what do they, what movies do they like to see? You know, I would be talking to the people, and they go, well, we don't watch movies. I'm, going, I'm thinking to myself, why are you reading screenplays if you don't watch a movie? You don't even know what's out there. You <laughs> right, know, right. It's so ridiculous. Right. You have to know and what other people are doing. You know, so I think that's can, a yeah, good idea to do yeah. that. For, if, if that's a very good idea, to go in and put down the books that you've read and not your own thing. Because you're right, because then people yeah. say, oh, they're just doing this for themselves. This is very good. And, so it's a good idea. And oddly, I, I, I write and you thrillers. Enjoy it. And my favorite, and my favorite book of all time is a, his, is a historical. My favorite book of all time is um, Lonesome Dove. And that is largely mm-hmm. because it is a character-driven book. If you look at that yeah. book, the craft in that is just amazing. He will shift yeah. points of view three times on one page, and you're never confused. And that is the that is the most difficult thing to do. So it's hard. I, I start yeah. reading that book and I just marvel at the craft. And but at the same time, I get pulled right into the story. I've read the book three times. 
And it's a yeah. it's a long book, but if you want to look yeah. at point of view and craft, pick up that book and just read a few pages, and you'll know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, lonesome book. Okay. Yeah, I, I I think it's good to give people ideas of what can help their writing. You know, uh, I think that, and there's a lot of new writers out there, and and you said all the books. I don't know, friend. I don't know if you heard that at the beginning. Thirty-eight books he wrote that he was turned down on. Right. Yeah, I'm on so book number sixty-five. I'm on book sixty-three or sixty-five right now. Yeah, and there were thirty-eight rejections. Yeah, thirty-eight, 38 was when I, when I first sold the book. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. So I think this is a good point here because without you know people, that's the thing. Don't give up. And yeah, I I can not say it a million times, and you said it too. And I, you know, even when I was, well, I think I don't know, it was one of the award shows. They were talking about persistence, persistence, and that is. So, Fran, do you, do you see your right when you're reading books? Do you see improvements in a lot of the people that you reviewed over the years? Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Um, some of them just have a character, and they really yeah. need to do what David does. And the character is in, it's, it's the same character, just a different plot. And I don't write negative reviews. And, I, you know, I do my reviews pretty much like he does. And there are so many people in the last week that have asked me to read stuff. But yeah. basically, um, sometimes, you know, I learned the hardest thing, David, I don't know, and you do it really well, is when you take, turn up, take out a book and you open up to the first paragraph. And I could tell you, because I read like 20,000, um, the first paragraph or the first page, and I'll say, oh, God, do I have to read the rest of this? So I, I right. <laughs> tried something brand new. I was asked to do something called a six-word story. People should try this. Um, I was no. asked to do it. What you do is they give you a prompt, a picture, and you have to mm-hmm. pretend you're going to write a novel using six words. And I've done this like five times, and they published everything I wrote. It, I found that that is a great way, since I write from the dead person, um, yeah. to get started on a novel or a book. Or just the the it, when 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 I wrote is the the guy the, the the darkest night of my life or where am I going from here or why am I doing it or whatever it is that you want to write six words, and believe me, you could take those six words and turn it into a first paragraph. So how do you create right. your first paragraph so that readers want to pick up your book? Because I love Bruno. Okay, um, let me piggyback on that. I think it was Hemingway that, that they, they say that he wrote the, the shortest novel uh, ever written, mm. and it was and it was um, Baby Shoes for Sale, Never Used. Um, and, and I think it was Hemingway that did that, which tells you uh, it, it, it sparks right, emotions. It tells you a lot of stuff yeah. all at once. So yeah. when there are there are four ways to um, to open a story. And none of them are wrong. Like I said, there's only one rule in writing. A uh, true one rule is don't confuse the reader. But there are four ways to open, right. to open right. a, a story. Yeah. So one is with dialogue. One is with action. With, and that, not action like a fist fight, but forward movement. So there's dialogue, forward movement, setting, and then narration. So mm-hmm. two are better than the others. So I always try to start with dialogue or forward movement in the story. If you start with setting, it's a hard pull to pull the reader mm-hmm. in um, because you're not you, you, you have the editor and agent will look at six pages like I said they're, they're looking for the voice right so your yeah. your opening your opening paragraph is critical and what 
and I, I'll open the book and I'll start writing and I'll come back and I'll tinker with that opening paragraph day after day just until I get mm-hmm. it right um, or, or how I feel yeah. comfortable with it. Not right. necessarily right because I never get it right until I'm comfortable yeah. with it. And most, <laughs> most always I don't start with setting and I don't start with narration. I open with something happening or Bruno mm-hmm. talking, talking to somebody. And that drops you into the fictive dream almost immediately. Um, and that's what you want. You want that fictive dream established right away. Um, so I open with dialogue or uh, forward movement. Because that is the hardest part for people. And it is, it is true. It, no matter what, people do open the book, look at that first paragraph, and, and put it down then. They do. It's just, it's just human nature. We can't change that because that's what it is. And I, and, and I, was, I, I, said, I said in the Barnes & Noble a lot, like last weekend I was just at Palm Desert, Barnes & Noble, and I sold 53 Bruno books, and I watched people, and then I, I asked them, why did you pick that book? Why did you do that? And what people would do, and this is, happens more often than not, they'll pick a book up and they'll open it and just thumb through the pages, not reading, just looking at, and I ask them, what are you looking for? And they're looking for white on the page, which means they don't want a lot of description, a lot of narration. They yeah, want about a, that, a book right. that moves fast, right? A lot of printing on the page, that means you're doing setting, you're doing narration. Right, um, yeah. And, and so you want dialogue, you want to tell your story in dialogue whenever possible. And Elmore Leonard, he is the master at that. If you want to learn how to tell a story uh, with, with just dialogue, he pick up one of his books. It is just stunning how economically he can tell a story. And he does it so well that you don't even know that he's doing it that way. Um, my favorite book of his is Maximum Bob. Um, and, and just, I, I still go back and read his books because it, it's just amazing. The stories are great, um, and his craft is just was brilliant. I mean, it's so interesting listening to you because uh, this is, I agree with everything you've said so far because I, this is the things I do. And I do think, and that was worrying me uh, last month, and I'm trying to finish this book, and, you know, and I talked to the publisher, and I said, you know, I don't know. I said, you know, I write dialogue. I said, this is what I write because I move my story with dialogue. I cannot do setting as well and so and she has said and other people have said too because i am moving my story this is i feel like when i'm talking the characters are moving when i have to sit and do setting i'm like i'm going like well who cares i don't like that so i mean naturally that's from my screenwriting so i said to my husband the other day i said maybe i should just do screenplays again but i like writing books but i also put people in a scene i get to and i tell friends this all the time if you put two people in a scene, they talk to each other. You put them in a room, you put them at a dinner right. table, anywhere they are, they talk. And that's how I write. And so I cannot master, like what you're saying, the setting, which is what you don't care about either. And so, because I feel like it's about the people I'm writing about. So well, I, no. I decided, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is who they are. The, you're, you're saying your characters are very important to you. Now, some of, some of my... Some of my most favorite books, the setting has an equal weight to the character. Now, what I'm saying is you advance the story through okay. dialogue instead of movement, um, but at the same time, for instance, if you have a Santa mm-hmm. Ana wind that is symbolic to the story, yeah. you want to put that in there because it adds a lot right. of, of, of accent to the story. So dialogue is, right. is another one of those things like voice. It is um, an art. 
And there's five ways to tag dialogue. And when I see someone that is tagging their dialogue three and four times on one, it, it overburdens the pros. So you want yeah. to just use one dialogue tag. And so there's um, carriage return. If there's only two people in the scene, you don't need a tag at all because the, the, the context right, exactly. and, right. the, yes. 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 and the character's voice should carry it. So you have a carriage return, character talks, carriage return, character talks. Um, these people that do four, sometimes five dialogue tags on one um, line of dialogue, it just overburdens the thing, and, and you don't want that. It adds right. a lot of different words to the page. You want an economic um, prose, and then that's the fastest way to cut it out is by going to the Right. One, I, I think uh, that is a problem for people because, like you mentioned before, you said, like, he thought, she thought, or whatever, and then you're trying to – you're spending time losing where you the momentum of the moment by going, like, well, what am I going to write after that? Because if there's two people they are just talking, that's who's there. You don't have to go, well, right. he thought about this or she thought about that because they're right there in front of you. And, and I think that's I, like really I said, good advice. I, I, studied, I studied the, the screenplay format, and what I find that the, that a good screenplay writer does, and it's very difficult, is getting the information out without it sounding like stilted information. You have to create right. a scene that, that gets the information out organically, and that is the hardest right. Paul part of writing a screenplay, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't have someone say, so you got, um, this is because you went to college when you were you know, 21 instead of – that's stilted dialogue. You have to get yeah. that information yeah. out organically. Um, and it's, yeah. it's not so much in, in a book, but in a screenplay, that is very critical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in your career, I mean, look at all the things that you've done. And so, I mean, this is, this is the thing. What we've done in our life does matter to what we write. Right. We cannot take what's in our mind and just, like, say, just work in a free mind. You, you can't because whatever's happened to us in the past is part of our life and part of we're not the characters we're writing but we are writing for them who they are and they have to have their own voice right. which is really important like you said i mean so i mean we're nearing the end but what what else would you like to talk about because it's so interesting to take apart a novel i'm going to have you on again i hope you'll come because it's so <laughs> many no because this is so important to people that are writing and not you know right. because this is completely different than a lot of times what they tell you to do. And sometimes if people always listen to what people tell them to do, they don't have their own voice. They're just writing because they're just writing, and they're trying to sell well, it. But it's not about them at all. What they're, it's not their characters. They're just trying so hard to do what other people want them to do. You can't always you do that. To, you need to find your own way. And that's why it's, it's, it's sometimes in voice – and I've heard some writers, because I've talked to a lot of authors. I mean, I've talked to a bunch of authors. And there's a small percentage of authors that they don't know their character um, well enough to write the book. So they write the book cold. They, they'll write the whole book all the way through. And by the time they get to the end of the book, they know the character. And the end of the book is great, because they, they, the author was learning the character as they went. So that author will put that book away and never look at it again and then write the whole thing all over again, which is really a brilliant idea, but you've got to have a lot of nerve to be able to put all that time into the first novel. But you learn the character that way. Some people write a 20-page single-space, 20 single-space pages on a character before they start the novel. And I, I can understand that because 
you need to learn the character. But I put people in that I dealt with in, in my personal life, and that's why yeah. I know them. I know how they walk. Right. I know how they talk. I know their syntax right. and language. So I don't have a problem with that. And I write uh, crooks uh, from crooks that I actually dealt with. Well, before you know, right. This is right. Well, they say write what you know sometimes, and a lot of people try to do other things, you know, because they think like if a vampire story is popular, they're going to write a vampire, and they don't know anything about what they're writing. They don't even read about vampires, so they just try to make it up, and you can't really make it up. I mean, you should know what you're writing about, you know, and you have to study, and like you're saying, this doesn't happen overnight. Fran, can you tell if a writer's just writing and they just wrote it just like that? If it's historical fiction, or if it's real life, or if it's a situation on the paper that really happened, I'm doing my research, and right. I can I can tell whether it's real, whether it really did happen, or whether the story is contrived, or whether I'm going to fall asleep before the ending. Um, it, it a lot of a lot of authors are writing historical fiction, uh, real real world. The girl that I interviewed this morning wrote about real life, and the questions that I asked her were based on what she grew up with or whatever, and it was interesting because I did my research on her. So sometimes yeah. they just write it just to get the words down. And I think the the hardest thing is to keep the, keep the reader interest all the way to the end of the story. And sometimes, like David said, set, too much setting puts me to sleep. Yeah. If every, every scene has setting, and when you said about dialogue, <laughs> Four or five people at once, and I got my graphic organizer out, and I go, like, who's speaking and why? It over, it overshadows everything that you want to say. But basically, right. I do. A lot of people that write historical fiction or fiction or history, and they're wrong. And right. it, it's hard to tell them, you know, like, this really didn't happen this way. It happened this way. And that makes your review a little bit more credible if you say, right. if you look it up. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have a I, class, I, I, David. I, you have a class, don't you? That you teach. Yeah, I put. The, I, yeah, and it's it's like about it's about oh, an hour and a half. And um, writers groups get wind of it, and they email me, and I I drive all over California giving this class. I've driven six hours to give the class, and they really they really wow. like it. They want me to write a book. They want me to put it all down in a book. Um, but if you if you want if you want to email me, I'm always happy to help anybody. Do you have any questions about what I've been talking about? Um, DavidPutnamBooks.com is my website. Um, pick up uh, a Sinister. If you want to see the structure that I'm talking about, pick up the Sinister or the Scorned. Um, the Scorned just came out, um, but the Sinister, the Sinister worked out so well because all three plot lines came together at once. And I had a twist that just came up, and I wasn't even I, I hadn't even planned it, and that's the best twist. Um, oh, I think it's so much book fun. Star- <laughs> that, that book got a star what? review and publishes weekly. What? Yep. I think what you said today, you know, because I, you know, myself, what I do to learn my characters, I write notes about them. Like if I'll be watching something on TV or or somewhere and I go, oh, that's what Victoria would do or whatever, I write it down. Because for me, the way I learn best and remember best, if I write it, if on the computer, no. But if I write it on a pad of paper, it's in my brain. That's why what you're saying today, I wrote it down. Because I can, that's how I and really, right. just, it makes me comprehend it better. Because sometimes That's when you, we all get, like, go ahead. You're, you're a visual learner, just like I am. 
There's yes. different. I yes. think there's three different kinds of, of people, how people learn. Yes. And what you're describing yes. is a visual learner, and I am exactly right. the same way. If I don't write it down, right. it, it just dissipates. So I keep a notebook yeah. and two pens yeah. in my pocket at all times. Yeah. It looks kind of corny, but I am constantly <laughs> taking notes all the time. I'll be I on the treadmill. I've got a notepad on my treadmill because <laughs> uh, my mind is just working. Me too. And, that's and what it, happens. So, yeah, and, and that's yeah. how you get a story. It doesn't just come. You just don't sit down one day and go, like, okay, fine, I'm just going to write this story. Maybe, for, maybe occasionally it happens to some people, or you know, but mostly this is hard work. You know, it takes a lot. Right. Uh, Fran, what's on your what's next for you, Fran? Well, you see, it's just that I have a very different mode of writing. <laughs> um, yes, I've always always in school, even when I wrote my term papers, I had to outline and I had to write and follow the process. Everything was written, so I know it. But I ha- I remember I memorized it, and when I write uh, my 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 last book, Accusations, I just sat down and wrote it, and then. I sort of knew what what knew every every single story because I have a photographic memory sort of, but I don't. I, I wish I could write like you, Dave. And it's so much easier to write with a, with one person who's dead, and I hear the person's voice rather than having somebody else interrupt him what he wants to say. It's, right. it's difficult. <laughs> I don't know if I could do. I thought about writing a murder mystery, and I would say, yeah. I just read one from the point of view of one person that told the story. Yeah. And yeah. It was interesting, but you know what? It gets boring after a while because you want to know what a, somebody else is thinking. So I just right. I, I have a question to ask. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I that's, just sit yeah, down and write I, it, and then I give it to my editor and say fix it. It's 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 a bad like David. You go back and read your pages and you read your script and you read everything. I write it and I go like, do I have to read this? And I give it to somebody else to read. And I gave it to like the last one to like five different authors that gave me helpful hints as to how I could fix it. A lot better than my editor did the last time I right, I, don't, right. I can't. I don't like beta readers. I, I really don't, you know, because I, you know, even when I'm I, the editor, I go, you can do what you want a lot of times, but I said, do not change my dialogue. My people talk a certain way, and that's that. Mm. They don't talk right. like them. They talk like I am talking for them. So I don't like people right. to change my dialogue. It just that that to me is you know you can move my story around, figure things out, but the dialogue, no, do not. Especially I wrote a, a dog that talks in, a, in the middle of a romance. I go, do not touch Gracie. This is how she talks, <laughs> and that is it. So I, you know, and that's just how it is, you know. So, but I don't like beta readers because I a lot of beta readers, a lot of people are listening now. When they listen, they have. People are beta readers, but they're maybe they're not even authors. They're not whatever, and they may be giving you advice that isn't really good. So trust your editor. Maybe trust a few people, but don't just give it to people and take their advice because you might no, lose these are your authors. story. No, not these them, are authors that read it. These are regular right. New York Times authors that read it. They gave me their opinion and said, well, this is what I would do for that, or this is what I would do for that. Um, like, maybe I'll ask one or did two. Did you take their opinion? Did you take their opinion? Actually, one, I uh, won't say <laughs> okay. who, helped me with that, Population right. Zero and explained what I was, okay. you know, how to get the dead person to speak better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I listen and I just say thank you very much. And sometimes yeah. their ideas are really good, and sometimes it's like what they would write, not what I would but, write. And I just say see, thank you. But, but see, Go what ahead. happens? What, what happens with with beta readers is you end up with what's called groupthink, and and you're yeah. writing by right. a group 
instead of your individual. So what a, a good beta reader should be doing, like if you send a book to me, I am not going to comment on your story. I'm going to comment on the mechanics of your structure. I'm going to yeah. say, this isn't working. This isn't working because your conflict is too long, or this isn't working because you bogged down right. your complication. I'm going to do an analysis of the mechanics of the writing, and that's what carries the, that. That's what's going to fix your book. It's like right. That's exactly right. You know, it is exactly right because, and that's the that's the thing because. When you're getting advice, it does. That's a good way to put it. It's a group book, and I don't want a group book because right. that's not me, you know. And right. that's this is everybody has their own way. But I think that what we've learned today is we've talked for an hour about all these things that matter. This is how a book should be, and you cannot, you know, you can listen to a lot of people that are not authors. You can listen to a lot of people, but you also have to listen to what's in your head, also. And you have to write the best you can write. And maybe you will and get better, writing. or maybe you have to, yeah, write exactly. You have to write, That's it. You have to write every day. Too. You have to write every yeah. day too. You, you can't just hit right. it once a week. You got to sit down no. and write every yeah. day because th- that right. gets your mind into a groove. And a lot right. of people think they could be a part-time writer. You, if you want to write a novel, you got to write every day. Right. Because you lose the characters in your mind. You do at the voice. That's why I, it's yeah. interesting you said that because that is what I do. I go back. And then I was thinking, because a lot of people say, okay, just keep going forward and don't look back. I can't do that because I have to look back. So if I have right. to fit the pieces in so I can move forward. Otherwise, it's going to be and, like three people wrote my book. And then in some days, you, I, I won't even write forward. I'll go all the way back to the beginning and edit forward again. I only write one manuscript. I don't. I don't only. I only. When I'm done, I'm done, because I yeah. continually edit that that, that living yeah. document as I go. So when I when That's I hit I, right, right, right at the I end, I am done with it. I don't do another a draft. I only do one draft. No, when you're done, right? Me too. That's exactly. Well, I thought maybe that's wrong with me. I do write that way because I I get to like let's say page seventy five, eighty five. Then I go back all the way through, and then I fix everything, and then I move forward. But I have to know where I've been to get where I'm going. Otherwise, I lose what I had. So I have to be in that voice. Right. I cannot be in another voice. So I think this is so interesting that you said that because I do go, and a lot of writers. They, they just go they go forward. I can't do that without right. going back. I you know, but everybody right. has their own style. But the main goal of today's show is persistence, and it works because right. you had rejection and you kept going. That's a really right. strength of character to be able to do that. <laughs> so, Either that is stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know about that for you. For me, I, sometimes I look in the mirror, but I do it. I can't help it. I love writing, and I keep writing. And I just, you know, and I think it's very nice of you that you offered to help people, which is really, really great. Because when someone like you offers that, it's really good because you're going to help them, not hurt them. Right. You're well, going to help them. It's not, it's not entirely um, uh, magnanimous because it's a little selfish. Because when I look at somebody's work, I'll, I'll, then I go back to writing mine, and I'll say, oh, I just did the same thing that person did. Because uh, I do it inherently, you see what I mean? <laughs> well, so, well, we uh, when I'm right. editing somebody, when I'm, when I'm deconstructing somebody's work or I'm an, doing an analysis, um, it helps me stay fresh on my stuff. It really does. Good idea. Yeah. yeah, everything that you've said today, I totally agree with. And it's a really, and if people are listening out there to your style, it is, it's important to have the beginning, middle, and end. 
because you need all three of those things, you know. And so I think that if you if your middle is lagging, you have to like what you do. You go something happens when you're writing that makes you make it exciting again, because otherwise right. they're gonna not enjoy it. Right. So it's, yeah. there's nothing has changed. You have a be- beginning, middle, and end. That's how I look at it. It can't <laughs> screenplay, book, children's book. You can't. You have to have those three elements. Don't forget the right. middle. It's not a good thing. All right. Thank you very much, Fran. Thank you. David, it was great meeting you, and I hope you'll come on again because I love talking about this because I think people need to hear this. Right. Because right. it's so important. Well, thanks for having me. Thank I, you. I really enjoyed oh. talking to you. And yes, tell your listeners to pick up the sinister or the scorned, and they'll see my structure and they'll understand. Okay, I'm going to do that. I am definitely. I'll actually do it without an audio. I just do. I'll read it. This is, yeah, yeah. you know, because I think it's important to know these things. In right. Right. Fran, any last word? Yes, I'm going to go. <laughs> Thank, <Okay>. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Goodbye, Thank everybody. You. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.